Hey there, Chris. Hi, Jess. How's it going? I am doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. Um, I think, I'm not sure, but I think we're at our 10th recording. And um, if people are still listening, then we must be doing something well. (laughs) So, yeah. Also, I'm excited for today's topic. Today's topic is going to be how to say no to your pastor. So, you know what, Chris? I I almost didn't show up today for this podcast. I was going to be like, no, you do this talk yourself, Pastor Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been the ultimate power play. If yeah, you just yeah, exactly. didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what a what a great moment that would have been. I would have hated you and respected you all at the same time. <laughs> I'm applying the truth. <laughs> but yeah, today we're gonna talk about um how to say no to your pastor, which is just um we're just gonna look at like healthy ways to develop healthy relationships with people who are in church leadership. But before we do that, um I do have to admit that one thing that Pastor Chris does get right is snacks. Um, you oh, brought yeah. a snack for us today. You want to tell us what it is? <laughs> Absolutely. So this is another one from my childhood. Um, so believe it or not, in Zimbabwe, there's a sig- pretty significant Indian population that lives there. So I grew up eating quite a lot of Indian food. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's kind of like a boss bar snack there uh, or like a party snack think of it kind of like trail mix is this indian version of like it's a bunch of different stuff all kind of jumbled together uh that's uh, it's, it's got nuts it's got like dried noodles it's got dried out yeah. chickpeas and like yeah. a curry flavor on top i spoke to my indian friend about what it's actually called he says there's a bunch of different names for it i grew up <laughs> calling it chavada okay. but i see the bag i bought is called punjabi mix so I guess it could be called a bunch of different stuff, but it's kind mm. of just like Indian trail mix, and it's amazing. It smells really good, and I also want to say that the last time you made me try something from your childhood, I was like, eh, I don't know, and it was it seemed like it was going to be an acquired taste. Let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, a few weeks later, like now I love Biltong. <laughs> the other day I texted Chris, Ooh. I'm like, when are you making more? <laughs> so I'm excited for this one. The first <laughs> one was good, so let's try. What did you say this was called? Chavada. Chavada. Okay, I think it's going to taste great. Are you ready to try? Let's grab a handful. Oh, I'm so ready. Let's go for it. Okay. Mmm. Mmm. Lots of spices. I feel like there's an herb in here somewhere. Heavily spiced. Quite spicy in a good way. Yeah. But then you got like a, there's like nuts in it. So there's like a sweetness from the nuts as well. And this stuff's great. I don't know if you can find it wherever you are in the world, but look out for it. Super good. You're right. It's spicy in a good way. I'm really enjoying this. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you enjoy more handfuls of these things. (laughs) Well, I'm going to start it (laughs) off. Yeah, today we want to talk how you talk about how you can say no to your pastor. And essentially what we're coming from is that this idea that a lot of the time in different churches and definitely like I've had this experience myself, we kind of have this desire to impress people who are in church leadership. And so because of that, when they ask us to do something, we're automatically going to say yes. Um, 
So yeah, definitely in um, churches where I grew up, and even I'd say sometimes today, we have this desire to impress people, especially people who uh, we assume are better than us for for XYZ reason. And so when people like that ask us to do things, we kind of want to say yes, or maybe you're just... um, you're listening to this today, and you're just someone who has difficulty saying no to people. Uh, well, I, well, I'm here to do today is to tell you how you can say no <laughs> to pastors. Um, and it's and another thing that's interesting is that when I was thinking about this topic and kind of writing down some notes, it had me reflecting upon like what's been my relationship with pastors over the years, which was a strange thing to kind of think about. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of the angle um, where we're coming from and what we're trying to do today. Um, So the first thing I want to say is that, yeah, as a Christian, um, or just as a person in general, like maybe you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, but no matter who you are, your value isn't determined by like what someone in leadership thinks about you. You know, the whole, the whole point of the gospel is to focus on Christ. Like the gospel is a person and um, that person is Christ. And if he says that you're loved, then there is no reason to do things just for the sake of being approved by others, whether that be a pastor or someone else. I think you're absolutely right. I was listening to something today by uh, Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. He's like a psychologist who wrote the book Boundaries. And one of his ideas was that basically a lack of boundaries is a lack of a kind of core of personhood or a lack of a locus of control. Essentially, if you mm-hmm. lack boundaries in your life, it often points to the fact that you lack a strong and stable identity of who you are and the ability mm-hmm. to kind of let that thing determine your values, determine your agenda, uh, you know, determine your passion in life. And instead, you're just being pushed around by the value system and agenda of everyone else. And so by establishing mm-hmm. that strong the core of personhood, uh, we can actually hope to create better, healthier boundaries in our life. And I would say there's no better way to do that than to do so based upon the, the gospel and who God right. says you are and who Christ has uh, redeemed you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, what's super crazy is that you're the second person who mentions that book Boundaries to me this week. So I think I oh. have note to self to, yeah, yeah, someone else was recommending it to me. And it's just, um, yeah, if we, once we have a proper understanding of the gospel and like of who God says we are, then eventually we can start saying no to people and start having not walls, but boundaries around like, okay, these are the things that I say yes to. And these are the things that I say no to. Um, so I'm glad you're bringing in the idea of boundaries. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a bit, but just the first thing that I want to say is that the the first reason why you should say no to your pastor and like this is like kind of a, a non-negotiable kind of reason in my mind is that let's say your pastor is out here preaching like crazy things um then yeah <laughs> you should totally say no to them that's i just sometimes it's good to say yes to things like you want to have boundaries not walls and so sometimes it's okay to be open to different things but definitely if you if you're in a situation um, or in a church culture where people are telling you to do things that are against scripture, people are like, oh, well, Jesus isn't really God and he's not really real. Like, you don't have to listen to that. You don't, um, because it's not true, because it's contrary to the Bible. Then in that situation, pray for your pastor, but definitely say no to them. <laughs> I, I would say I have two questions on that then. 
Firstly, how do you okay. think you would help somebody to get to a point where they are able to recognize what is good teaching versus what is bad teaching? And mm-hmm. I would say there's probably something we can point to beyond that, which is when you can get to a stage where you can listen with a sense of discernment and think to yourself, okay, I agree with 80% of this and I disagree with 20% of it. And mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on what that 20% is, you don't have to necessarily let that 20% ruin everything. Exactly. You can listen yeah. with a filter and like, I mean, everyone's yeah. wrong about something or other. So, you know, you listen with a filter, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean like if you're at the church you're going to or the past you're listening to uh, agrees with 99.9% of your theology, but there's this one thing that you have to leave the church. But mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do you get to that stage where you're able to determine what's, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And, you know, how do I determine what's really important and what's sort of like in that gray zone? Yeah, that's a really good question to ask. And I think um, if I think a little bit about it right now, if you, I think a start to developing your own convictions, I think that's how I would label what you're talking about. Like what are some of those non-negotiable things for me? Those are the convictions and then the gray areas is just kind of everything else. I think it goes back to what we were saying before. Um, When you become a Christian, um, which is essentially someone who who understands that, you know, Christ is everything. Um, once you become that and you develop a relationship with Jesus, it's like um, when you go through the effort of praying and reading scripture and you want you do that with the motivation of not I want to impress someone, but I actually want to get to know who Jesus is. I think he's going to be faithful and he's going to reveal to you who he is. And then, um, yeah, you just we forget how. I want to choose my words carefully, but we forget that scripture is sufficient in many ways. Like, no, there isn't a Bible passage about like every single issue under the sun. But if you want to discuss, if you want to know your convictions about things like life or death and who is God and who am I, um, the Bible does totally address those things. So how do you get to those places where you develop those convictions? Like you spend time in the word and like, does that mean you read six hours a day? Like if you want to, sure. But maybe you're more of a listener and you want to like um, listen to the Bible in that way. And so I think there's like prayer and reading your Bible is like really underrated. But once you get into a habit of doing those things, I can, I think you can um, become, come to a point where you, you're then going to have your own convictions that are based on the Bible. And then when someone says something that's completely crazy, um, then you're going to be able to, to get that. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. I can't tell you how many stories I've either heard personally or I kind of heard as I read and, and listen to testimonies that are basically fit into one of two molds. Either people who kind of grew up in the church but had sort of like a nominal faith um, and then all of a sudden got serious about it, or mm-hmm. people who were kind of going in a weird direction in terms of like following into maybe a cult or like it's just a very kind of yeah. odd, weird thing. Uh, and then radically broke away from it. In so many of the cases, what was the turning point is basically them saying something along the lines of, you know, I, I started to actually take seriously, you know, reading the Bible for myself. Or I started mm. to like really start questioning my own convictions and trying to come up with answers that satisfied the doubts I was having. You know, they started to mm-hmm. take seriously and personally uh, their own convictions and their own growth. 
uh, either through reading the scripture or through examining what was being said and addressing the doubts that they had. Yeah. And that yeah. was the turning point for them. And it's really just right, building, right. building up your own, like you were saying, your own sense of conviction. That's what enabled them to be able to uh, go deeper, either in the right direction or break away from the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing mm-hmm. how often that's really what you're saying is exactly what transforms a person's walk. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I've experienced that myself. Like, I'm definitely someone who grew up in a home where, like, a lot of, there was a lot of Christianese going on. Um, But then, like, when it became my decision to follow Jesus, while slowly I would read the Bible and then actually want to do these things for myself. Um, And so, yeah. But I think the other part of your question is, like, um, then kind of how do we interact with someone that, like, I agree with 80% of what they say, but I'm not in agreement with 20% of what they say, for example. There's two things. I want to say about that um the first one being like if you don't agree with a hundred percent of what someone says like you're fine because you're just like the rest of the planet like I don't think there is anyone else in this world like I don't even think identical twins completely agree with each other hundred percent of the time like and I the first thing I want to say is that it's healthy to have disagreements it's healthy to just be like oh you know pastor you said xyz but I have some questions I'm not sure how that works and I heard another pastor say this or my mom said this or my twin said this and like it's healthy to have have those discussions so I would definitely say that and the second thing I want to say if let's say you you start to have that conversation you're like yeah but I'm not sure about this one thing you were saying and the person kind of cuts you off and the person kind of says well you if you want to be part of our group or if you want to be part of our clique then you have to agree with everything that should be a big warning sign Um, because I've been in situations once again where you know, there's someone in leadership, I've been in a lot of situations like this, but there's someone in leadership who wants you to agree with everything they say. And that's when you need to really get serious about like, okay, what's actually going on here? Because what's not healthy, I was saying before that like disagreement can be healthy, but what's not healthy is a leader who wants you to think exactly like that. Because then how are you going to grow? You know, if you can't have healthy discussions and healthy debates and think about things deeply, how are you supposed to grow? And and if the pastor doesn't isn't okay with you disagreeing with them, then they're not okay with the fact that you're growing, which is kind of weird. Um, you, you would want to have um, someone in leadership who wants you to grow spiritually and those things happen through healthy debates so that's what i would say about that yeah i could say as a person in leadership there is a dark side of it which you you kind of are afraid (laughs) when see people disagree with you uh and that's Mm -hmm. like i say a dark side meaning that your worst inclinations are towards this kind of thing, not to say that this is who you are, but this is who you can be on your bad days, right? So mm-hmm. who you can be on your bad days as a leader is someone who is terrified of uh, someone disagreeing with you because you think it, it's, a, you take it really personally, like, oh, yeah. then, you know, that's what do they think about me and how can they respect me if they don't agree with everything I say? But I, but, but far, far, far more often than that, what, what I do feel and what I hope, uh, which I think or many other healthy leaders will feel, is I'm actually pretty proud when someone is able to kind of own their conviction mm-hmm. and stand up for it, even if it's not something that I ascribe to. I love mm-hmm. to engage in debate, and I've often learned a tremendous amount and even changed my point of view in engaging yeah. in discussions with people on certain topics. 
And, <laughs> you know, a leader should never think that they're unable to learn and grow. And a leader should exactly. never, ever think that they are somehow, they've figured it out and they've got it all together. But if I, mm-hmm. if I had to stick with the convictions I had when I got into ministry, oh, my goodness, I would be <laughs> hopelessly lost by this point because I had some really right. screwy ideas that I had at that point. Uh, right. and I, that I'm so glad that they've changed over time. So mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. do think it's a good thing to learn how to see your leader as not someone who has all the answers, but someone mm-hmm. who's simply another member of the body who's providing a, you know, who's doing a task. One of the tasks is to lead, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're any, they're not necessarily wiser than you. They're not necessarily more mature than you. Uh, they're mm-hmm. performing a task that God has put them there to, but they're certainly not above challenge or even rebuke. They're, they're certainly not above the need for accountability uh, and if a leader is acting like they are above all that stuff, then big red flag. It's bad news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing up those um, those points because yeah, we do want leaders who can help us grow. And and like you're saying, like oh, where I was, where I started ministry versus now, like it's encouraging to see like that growth and that change in character. And like once again, you know, convictions can change. But I just um, want to emphasize, like don't. If, if your leader is compromising about the whole idea of who is Jesus, then, then that's a big red flag. But like everything else definitely is, is up for debate. So, yeah, it's good to have help. It might actually be a good idea for a future podcast is how do we determine what would be essential versus unessential? So what's the close handed issues that, you know, if you agree, if you, you, we must agree on these things to have fellowship together versus the open handed issue, which is there's room for debate here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think even something you were saying on another podcast is that like, if ever it is a closed handed issue and we don't agree well, you know, we can still, um, I think you were saying last time, like Jesus wants us to treat someone as an unbeliever, but in the sense that like we still reach out to them, we still engage with them and we still see them as people. But uh, yeah, that would be something interesting to discover uh, later on. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as we stick to this topic, ooh, one other thing that I wanted to say is that let's say, let's say you're in a situation where it is a closed handed issue. Okay. Let's say Chris said something scandalous. Like the Bible says you can't eat chocolate. Like I would never speak to Chris again, obviously. But yeah, let's say there is a closed handed issue that you and someone in leadership don't agree on. That doesn't give you the right to go and talk behind the person's back. Like if um, there's a conviction that you feel they're really missing, then pray for them and pray that God opens their eyes and all of that. But going going around and saying bad things about them. And once again, I've been in those situations too. Like it doesn't help anyone to do that. Um, and and for me, I guess the, the guilty bit for me is like just sitting there and listening to it isn't healthy at all either. So yeah, that, that is something I want to bring up. When it is close-handed issues, no one's going to benefit from gossip. Let me just put it that way. So yeah. Well, like Leviticus 19, I believe 19, talks about basically if if, uh, someone is in sin and you don't speak up about it to their face, Mm -hmm. then there's a a sense of guilt that you carry as well. The Bible wants us to be able to confront each other on issues of sin. 
uh, and not to ignore them and certainly not to use them as an occasion for us, us to sin by gossip and slander exactly. and all kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's it's not loving to to say nothing. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that you know we 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 err by thinking oh, I'm just not going to say anything. Mm. There's nothing loving about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're called we're called to more than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I've had models of people who have stood up and said things and it was difficult for them to say those things, but the example that I'm thinking about the prison ended up being right. Um but they said what they said in a way that was loving. So I think that's the example we want to be following. Yeah. But definitely the ultimate example we want to follow is what's in scripture. And, you know, it was so weird for me to pick a passage for <laughs> for today. Where did this sense that, like, I don't know, because it's like these aren't passages that I tend to study, like, just on my own for fun. But then, like, I think God really had to do a work in me to be like, no, like, go find out what I actually, what's my view of leaders and that sort of thing. So I ended up, that brought me to Titus. Um, I don't know who Titus is. Who's Titus, Chris? He was one of the disciples of Paul. Okay. Um, one of the closest ones who worked with him for a very, very long time. Okay, okay, good to know. So thanks, Pastor. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. But I'm in Titus chapter 1. And what's interesting is that, um, okay, so Titus chapter 1 Verse 5 to 9 is kind of where I was studying and praying about today. Um, And it's all about like what leaders shouldn't do and what they should do. Um, So there's a lot of negatives and positives. But um, verse 8 is where it gets to the positive. And I'm just going to read verse 8 to 9. And it's saying, rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refuse those who oppose it. Mm. Just to go back to verse 8, one of the bits that I really like is like uh, it mentions hospitality, how important it is to be hospitable. And like I've been in contact with different people that I know who are in leadership. And this is just me saying this. I don't know if that's like the whole point of the verse, but hospitality, like the ability to welcome someone to your church and to your life, even if they're different than you, that is just a very attractive trait. Um, And then when we go on into verse nine, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message. I want to repeat that again for like the third time today, like do not ever compromise about who Christ is, like hold on firmly to that. And why? So that he can encourage others, encourage others in Christ by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. It's important to I believe, pray for our leaders that they do hold on firmly to who, who Christ is. And then when there's other other issues that we disagree on, well, it's fine as long as, you know, they still hold on to the truth and they're able to encourage people with that truth. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the passage I found myself in today. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, it points to character as being what should be the determining factor in leadership rather than skill or mm-hmm. charisma. Mm-hmm. So often we choose our leaders based on charisma or based on competency, whereas the Bible says you should be choosing your leaders based on character. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Sadly, we run into all kinds of big problems when we don't pick based on character because then we have moral failings and lack of accountability and all these mm-hmm. kinds of things that lead to disaster along the way, sadly. If only we read our Bibles more. 
Oh wow! How <laughs> much? Only. How many things would be better if we just read our Bibles more? Yes. I I yeah. I'm saying this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely gotta do that. Um, but yeah, that, those were really some of the things that that we wanted to bring to you guys today. Um, in summary, I would say that it's okay to say no to your pastor. It's it's okay to spend time thinking about the boundaries and dynamics in your relationship with them. But at the end of the day, just make sure that you pray that they would always say yes to Christ. Absolutely. I think it's important that we treat leaders, like I was saying earlier, not as if they're any better than us. Uh, and I think it's really important that we understand that the way that the Bible speaks of humility is not as if uh, we need to discount our own value. Uh, we often think that pride would be saying that, you know, oh, I'm better than somebody else. And then humility would be saying, oh, someone else is better than me. Hmm. That's not how the Bible presents humility. When you look at something like Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, he's talking about how in Christ, you know, we've all been clothed with Christ, and now there is no, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Like all are one in Christ. And we can apply that to leadership too, you know, some of the people, some of the problems people have with saying no to leadership in the sense of someone saying, oh, you know, you should do this or you should do that. And they just say, okay, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do that. Because they're afraid to say no is because they think that that's the humble, that's like the Christian thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But the Christian thing to do is to realize that there's no ladder. No one is better than anybody else. We are mm. all the same in Christ's eyes. And, you know, when Jesus looks down at us and sees how we're trying to, you know, kind of play the king of the castle like oh i'm on top therefore i'm better than you and you know i'm at the bottom but i gotta get to the top but you know to win the game it really looks like child's play to him mm -hmm. where all of us in god's eyes are on the same level we all yeah. have different strengths and weaknesses if someone is the leader it's it's because we hope god has put them there to perform a function but God has put you in that church to perform a function too, to do something to benefit that church. Don't live for their approval. Right. Don't live for Christ's approval and be fine with drawing a strong boundary around your own life uh, so that you can focus on your mission. You can focus on your value system that's determined by what God is doing in your life. Don't feel like you need to have someone else's agenda put on you. Don't accept that just draw healthy boundaries and i think that comes from the real humility which christ teaches which is there's no ladder we're all the mm -hmm. same mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm really happy you brought that in yeah that we don't need to blindly say yes to everything as long as we're secure in, in um as long as we recognize the true humility and we're secure in who christ says we are yeah absolutely yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So nah, maybe maybe you should become a pastor or something. The things you say aren't too crazy. I'll think <laughs> maybe about I it. I should be a pastor. Pastor Jess. I wouldn't want you, Jess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for the stack. Thanks for chatting with me, Chris, and to everyone listening. Um, yeah, this is, I believe, our 10th episode, and we're really um, glad to do these things to serve you guys. But if you have any feedback for us and you have any questions about the topics you want us to address, there's going to be a little email in the show notes, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. So nice to speak with you, Jess. Yeah. So bye. Thanks, everyone, everyone for and... listening. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye for now.